This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I mean, we kind of suppress some of our emotions. It's kind of our role and what we do. So, um, you know, even when things are going real well and, you know, by the, by the book and according to plan, uh, we generally don't ride those waves very much. We, we have to immediately look at what we need to do next, what we need to do now and what we need to do next. So uh, that's what a little bit of what we've seen over the first uh, 13 games, I think. Um, we've, we've seen a lot of that. <laughs> I feel like that's Judd's philosophy every time he takes the microphone to, yeah. uh, to deliver his thoughts on the sporting events of the season. Am, you're just you're you're looking to suppress your emotions first, yep. put some space around your thoughts, yep, get very <laughs> meditative, and then speak. Is that constantly fair to say? suppressing my emotions, and it's tough to do because I am. <laughs> the thing about me is that most people don't get. I'm very very deep, and like mm. I'm I get hurt easy. Criticism bothers me greatly. And so I always try and think through my red hot takes for how is this going to affect the outside community that might be mad at me because I, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a day by day process, Phil. It, it's a day, you it know, really I'm is. always yeah. working through it. I, I actually have decided as of today's show mm-hmm. that if I'm on a take that I feel is just too hot and like, I, it's like, you know what? The cousin stands might be really, really mad. I'm going to pull myself from the take. Um, <laughs> And I don't care, like if you guys are like, "That's a great but, take." Like, but what if you're coasting? What if you're coasting along with your? Right, no, with but your I'm take? saying, like you, you might be saying, "Oh yeah, go, Judd. This is awesome." I will stop, and I will, <laughs> I will lift myself from said take, um, and I will call in a, a cousin Stan, perhaps. Mm. And what happens is sometimes when it's your third time delivering the take over the oh. course of uh, you know a week, you 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 don't want you don't want the audience to hear that take for a third time. So you want to bring someone else in to finish the take. Yeah, right? that's well, and I could that's, that's what the analytics say. And the best part is the third time through the state the take, I could have started it and, and like like let's say let's say for, for the sake of the conversation that we're on right now, the thread, if you will, that like I am five points into my third take. But, I mean, there's still points to go. Like, let's say there are nine total. I'll stop right there. I'll stop. Well, let's do this here, okay? Uh, Mackie and Judd, welcome to this Friday show. We've got Sports Movie Rewind on today's episode, including a great Kevin Costner sports movie. Not a baseball movie. Draft Day. One of the, one of the most insane <laughs> draft days in NFL history that we're going to break down. 
But we're going to give Judd a little choose-your-own-adventure. We're going to go back in time here to yesterday's game against the Sox. Red Sox. The Sox. Red Sox. Twins looking to avoid a four-game sweep at home to the Red Hot Sox. And they won the game. So the twins, the twins have the, they snapped their five game losing streak. But I want to go back to and Judd, we're going to put Judd in a baseball uniform here. So you're gonna you're gonna dress up like Tom Kelly. I don't, would you go socks high or would you leave him down if you're? A baseball oh no, player? socks high. Okay. Rocco yesterday went socks high stirrups. Ooh, I love me some stirrups. Yeah, well the stirrups. Well, good I mean, look. You know, it, it was Jackie Day, right? So they're all wearing forty two and Rock stirrups. and Rocco went stirrups. I absolutely thought it was a great look. I wear them just so casually here, sometimes. Just the stirrups, just too. Just the stirrups, and yeah. Like, just around the apartment. Else. That's right. Just That's around it. the apartment. Yeah. Just a V-neck and everything else flying right. free. Yeah, this, yeah. this. So here's your choose-your-own-adventure, okay? You, yes. Judd Zolgad, manager of the Minnesota Twins, have seen your team melt down several times already this season I'm Billy. games, okay? I'm Billy from last week. Billy, oh, uh, Billy Haywood. Billy, Billy Haywood. Haywood. I'm Billy Haywood now. A much more grizzled and uh, I would say forlorn-looking version of oh, Billy Haywood. Definitely yeah. Bill, Billy after <laughs> being introduced to alcohol. There's no question this, about yeah. that. This is how it started. This is how no, it's going. Yeah, this yeah. how it's going, Billy <laughs> Haywood. God, uh, and your starting pitcher, Michael Pineda, who, by the way, over his last 15 starts, has a two-and-a-half earned run average. He's been one of the better starting pitchers low-key in baseball over that 15-start stretch. And he is dealing. He's through seven innings. And he is two batters over the minimum at that point with 88 pitches under his belt. And your team holds a 3 nothing lead. Manager Judd Zolgad, choose your own adventure. What do I do here? What do I do? Is that is that what you're saying? Do I lift him? Do I go to the bullpen? Because uh, by my count, I believe he was five batters through the third time. So he had actually been allowed to turn the corner and get the first like five guys, which is actually means I believe he was due to face uh, six through nine, potentially, which one would think would be easier than one through five. But who am I to say? Uh, my own adventure. I mean, Let, Hunter Renfro is uh, lethal. Let's in, see uh, here. Can I seven spot? Can I? Do you want me? Well, you know what? I'm going to throw a question right back at you as I choose my adventure, and I want to know what you, what, how you want me to think of of this adventure that I'm about to embark on. Do you want me to choose my own adventure from what the to what the research says and just go by that, or do you want me to go by the research and also the gut feel of the fact that my team's on a five game? losing streak if we lose we're going to be one and six on this home stand my pitcher is going great guns i had and i'll grant you this it was a couple of seven inning games but i had a double header the day before and i play in anaheim tomorrow do you want me to use common sense or do you want me to just go by what i know actually i don't think the twins uh, structure allows for you to do anything but use a spreadsheet so i'm sorry sir you have to make this decision the out you have to make this decision only based robles on time it's hansel robles time <laughs> the undertaker coming in <laughs> he does have great entrance music yeah. but like but like here, here's my question how do you and again they won the game congratulations uh <laughs> for celebration congratulations it's great, it's great okay but how do you watch your team lose in the fashion that it lost in, in those two games against Houston with your two best starting pitchers, dealing, just dealing. Well, Barrios was, was dealing even more than Maeda was, right? But both were very Maeda, good. I feel like Maeda was kind of gr- grinding a little bit more. But, yeah, both were and good. You, and you pull Barrios out of the game after five innings, if my memory serves me, and you bring in 
the Cody Stashak, like all these dudes who come in and you and they have to be perfect sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, rather than just leaving your lights out starter in for an extra inning. And I get it, third time through the order is a thing, but like there has to be some room for gut managing and and just sense of the game and boy, this guy is absolutely mowing down Red Sox hitters right now. And he's only at 88 pitches, and he's in his 30s. He's pretty durable by this point. Like, his arm's probably not going to fall off. Yep. And he's a free agent, I think, at the end of the year anyways. We're not trying to, like, protect his future like we might with Jose Barrios. Like, all of these things that would go into a gut decision in that moment. And instead, it's, oh, the book says... He's facing the lineup for a third time, and he's at 88 pitches, and therefore we must take him out of the – like it was the most – you could predict it from a mile away, and then you could also predict Robles and the other relievers potentially struggling and uh, and that game becoming a grind. But like how do you not learn from what happened in the playoffs last year? That's what's mind-boggling to me. This is what we talked about um, at at the start of this season, this very thing, which is, Rocco, show us that you've learned. And you know what, too? So – I understand that this comes from everybody who's important now with this team, from Falvey and Levine and Rocco. So I understand that this decision is not made in the vacuum of Rocco's mind. I'm doing it. It's sort of what their it's their philosophy on how to operate. But there has to be some room to give your manager the ability to use common sense. And common sense yesterday was we've dropped five consecutive games. We're playing. We're not playing well. And I, you know what? I don't know if it's a precursor of things to come, if it's just a little slump. It almost doesn't matter. What matters is you've got the chance to end it. You're up three rip. And your pitcher, who is a who is a hoss, by the way. So like this is not this is not a little man on the hill, you know, oh my God, he might break in half. It's cold out and he's at eighty eight pitches. This is a hoss. The night before, and and I'm not even advocating this. But the night before, you saw Carlos Rondon of the White Sox be allowed to throw. And it, it was probably excessive, what, 114 pitches to pitch a no-hitter, okay? So, like, you saw that. And I'm not saying that that's a great idea. But Michael Pineda is not going to fall apart if he, let's say, gets near 100 pitches. And I'm not even saying he should have pitched the ninth for sure. What I am saying is common sense says you bring him back out. And here's what I would like. Here's what I would like the Twins and and what I want Rocco to be. And this would start above him, but it would trickle down. You know, somewhere, Phil Mackey, there is a, there is a happy medium between your favorite National League club and the guy who managed said club growing up, Dusty Baker and Rocco. There, there's a happy medium. Okay, so I'm but, not. But, 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 Dusty, I just felt my labrum tear. We need three more innings out of you, Mark du- Pryor. Dusty, it's Carrie Wood. I'm your <laughs> prior. You know, I, I, and and I'm Mark Pryor. I'm your other prize project. You're right. My arm you is are. permanently twisted in this direction. Everybody threw complete games in my. But can't we get like? Isn't there something in between these two men as far as strategy goes? Yeah. Well, and here's here's the other thing. Like. I've generally been a Rocco backer. I generally speaking, I love the Zen like mindset that he brings to a baseball team. Yeah, let's all let's this is a marathon. Let's not get too high, too low. Let's let players express themselves and let's not have a bunch of rules. Like let's 
let's look to make guys as comfortable as possible, and I and I love that side of it, and I think that has contributed to the Twins winning a lot of regular season games. But I think his biggest blind spot, he is a wishful thinking manager in a lot of ways. In his mind, and he said it off the clip that Declan played off the top, he said, we suppress our emotions when we are in high leverage situations and the game is on the line. We suppress our emotions and we take a deep breath. He's, But it's like he's talking about what he hopes the entire roster is able to do in these situations. That listen, everything is the same. We treat spring training game number 10 the same as we treat an elimination playoff game. And we're all just meditating out here and uh, listening to fish in the clubhouse. And we're, it's, it's all good, man. Like we're just a super even kill chill team well like in a perfect world that would be great that would be great but you know what when the game's on the line or when you don't have your best stuff as a reliever like you're probably not suppressing your emotions in those situations so if you have a pitcher in big mike that is suppressing his emotions and he has a great handle on his stuff for that day ride that guy for an extra inning we're not we're not talking about like 105 pitches to 130 here we're talking about riding a guy or Jose Barrios in the playoffs, riding a guy that's dialed in that day and being able to know as a manager in your gut, not like his overall baseline performance, like, oh, sometimes Barrios gets wonky third time through. That's true. But today he's lights out. And you have to be able to make that decision in distinction as a manager and not just be wishful thinking that every reliever is going to come in and have their stuff dialed in. And, and every game is the same well, for eight months, whether it's spring training or October. And I firmly b- believe in the sports gods. And the sport, and you knew the sports gods were going to bite Rocco in the ass when he took uh, Pineda out. You knew it was going. That, that was an invitation to have the sports gods say, hold on a second here. We sort of granted you this wish today of this guy is going great guns. You, you've not been playing well. Uh, he has he has allowed what one walk and a couple of hits and no run through seven and you're gonna t- and you're by and you're by the book today Rocco the sports gods and and sports karma will bite you at times and that but that's where you also just have to know like this is not this is not an everyday occurrence and this is not an everyday like I don't always say oh that's a huge mis-. no that's a mistake right like a lot of times he takes guys out and it's absolutely fine it's, it's like he could have stayed in but he came out and that's it's no big deal uh but the Brios game um in the playoffs the Brios game in Milwaukee when I would not have left him in for the entire game but you certainly could have trotted him him back out again he was outstanding. He had given up no hits, okay? He certainly could have pitched another inning without melting. Pineda yesterday. It's almost like Rocco looks at Sports Karma and the Sports God and is like, "Uh, I've got this one. Hmm. And they're not. They'll bite you in the ass every time. He does not believe in the Sports Gods. I don't believe in the Sports Gods. I'm not saying that uh, that if you practice believing in the Sports Gods that, you know, like we don't have to have a big argument, but – um, I think what he would argue off that game and decision yesterday and and the Barrios one is from a process standpoint, protecting your pitcher early in the season and getting him out before the big crooked number comes is what he would look to do. And I just think there's got to be more gray area there. There's got to yeah. be you can't just be you can't just be making that decision every single time a pitcher gets to the mid 80s in pitch count and pulling him from the game. Why does he, he can't? But why does he manage um each pitcher and situation the exact same is my question. Like that's what I don't understand. Um P- 
Pineda yesterday. He was going fantastic. And I would make, I would privately, if I was to sit down with Paul Deli, I would privately say what you said, which is, okay, as I said before, he's a Haas. Second of all, he's he's your third starter. He's a huge guy, and he's not our long term guy. Like, what's the very what's the very if he if he came out and pitched the eighth, what's the worst that's going to happen to him? What's the very worst? He gives up a couple runs. You take him out. I mean, they gave up three runs as is. So I d- I just don't see the downside to having him come out for the eighth. Yeah. By the way, our, our talking twins discussion here today, celebrating a big win yesterday. Clearly, we're in a very celebratory mood with this club right now. Uh, brought to you by Dennis Kirk. Dennis Kirk has been supporting Mackie and Judd and Scornar through a tough year, year and a half or so. And uh, even though it's been a pretty long winter, pretty long winter in a lot of ways for uh, for for baseball fans in the Twin Cities, uh, motorcycle season is on the horizon again. And so, if you ride a Harley, whatever you ride, a sport bike doesn't matter. You'll find what you need. At DennisKirk.com, 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Clothing and helmets as well. Order before 8 p.m. and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free on orders over 89 bucks. Best in the business. DennisKirk.com. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. All right, should we, uh, any other final? Yeah, I got another one to, to complain about, too. What's going on with the pitching staff? Uh, what's it? <laughs> Lewis Thorpe is going to start game one of a bullpen game. And by the way, though, here's the problem. You sent Stashik out. Now, last I checked, his crime is strikeouts. He's striking guys out, which last time I checked before I checked, his he was getting strikeouts, which you want, but his crime was strikeouts. Anyway, he had pitched too much. I don't know. He gets sent down, gone for, for 10 days. They call up a kid in the interim yesterday to be on the roster for that game. And post game, he gets sent out for Lewis Thorpe, who's going to be your opener tonight. Couldn't you have just picked another opener to start the game and kept Stashek here? I mean, I don't know why they sent Stashek out, other than, like, he wasn't going to be able to pitch yesterday. Okay. But he can he can certainly pitch today, <laughs> I would think. Right, right, but wouldn't you rather have him on your roster right now than Lewis Thorpe as the opener in Anaheim? Like, couldn't you have found a way, a workaround for somebody else to pitch the first two innings of that game tonight in Anaheim? It's weird. I, I also feel like, I thought I thought they were maybe priming Randy Dobnak to, to give him three innings at, at some point here during this weekend series, but uh, but I was wrong. So, yeah, I, I mean, Lewis <laughs> Thorpe has had like three chances, and he's had, he had you, the weird spring training episode, was it a year or two ago? I would like so, to, I, I would like to submit my application for a new job with the Minnesota Twins LLC. I would like to be known as the underthinker coach. And that job will be when Rocco and the boys are overthinking everything, I come in and say, boys, let's dumb it down, okay? Let's think this through. Like, you guys are, you you are Harvard, but you're in your own heads, okay? Let's let us let some Benil get in here, oh, all right? Okay, I don't know about that. Let's let Here's some what's amazing, underthinker right? coach, Judd Zolgad. Now, they have overthought Cody Stashak a few times in key games the last few years. We're like, Cody Stashak is not to the point where he should be in a in a one-run game against Aaron Judge in a playoff game, right? Like, Fair. So he's not on that level. But so far this season, he has struck out 12 batters in five innings. <laughs> oh. Yes. 12 batters in five innings. He, he's faced 23 batters this season. He has struck out more than half of the batters he has faced yep. so far. 
and he's going to be down in the minor leagues for a week. Like, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Under, under thinker, coach. It's weird because, and, and, and again, is the logic, all right, we're going to be, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to play, we're going to play chess while other teams are playing checkers here, okay? Yeah, Stashak seems dialed in. He just struck out three batters. He now has 12 strikeouts in five innings, but he can't pitch tomorrow. So we should send him out and bring somebody else in. Let's, let's leverage our taxi squad. But now you're without maybe your best strikeout reliever for a week and a half, right? Ten days, yeah. unless there's an injury. They could, I suppose they could, like, designate but, someone you know to the injured list and bring him back, but like you which just, they might do. They've done that before, too. But I don't play, it's just weird. I don't play chess, but it seems to me that hmm. you, you just made three moves to actually start to lose. Because here's the other thing. You Maybe they're tanking. You only bring up, you only do the move with Stashek if the reliever that you bring up to have in the bullpen on Thursday is almost certainly going to pitch in th- Thursday's game because your bullpen is totally taxed. That was never a threat of happening. Mm-hmm. It's like switching bat boys. Why'd you do it? Like, what's the purpose? <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. No, it is, uh, it is bizarre. It is bizarre. Okay, but, I'm uh, done. Now they face Mike Trout okay. for a few days. I'm done. I was therapeutic, but a big win. It was big win for the Twins. Win, and, Get and off that five-game losing streak. <laughs> Miguel Sano, as I told you, and write that down. I gave you credit. He's embarking. He's text. embarking on there a three-week hot stretch right now, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, boys. One of the craziest nights in NFL draft history mm-hmm. took place seven years ago. Seven years ago, at the end of April, Sonny Weaver Jr. making moves. This was the. F- is this the first time that you guys have seen draft? I've never. I've never seen this before today. I've never seen it. I. have never seen. I have never seen the entire I have, thing. I have takes. Oh, I have thoughts. Man. And that's why I, I have a page and a half of typewritten yeah, notes. Me too. All right, let's fire. Let's fire it up right, here, Dex. Here we go. Two hundred and twenty-four young men who today are about to become players in the National Football League. A day where lives are changed. Fates are decided. Dynasties are born. And the clock is always ticking. <laughs> of course. I'm talking about draft day. You're for it. I want your first pick this year, your first rounder next year, and your third rounder the year after that. Ouch. Ouch. No thanks. I know it sounds, sounds like you're trying to take advantage of me. I would never do that. Your seventh pick gives you one. A running back with a rap sheet? You don't know who I'm picking seven, Tom. I'm not going to sell the farm for one guy. You should. Your farm sucks. Pick number one. <laughs> Get Bo Kelly. He had a quarterback. Brian Drew? Are you talking about Brian Drew? Jesus, you're hilarious. Guy barely made it through half the season before getting injured last year. I have the golden ticket, Sonny. If I give it to you, you get to save football in Cleveland. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Yeah! Welcome in to Sports Movie Rewind here, part of the Mackie and Judd movie review franchise that includes Action Movie Rewind, Rom-Com Rewind, <laughs> and now Sports Movie Rewind. And boys, Sports Movie Rewind today is presented by our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, supporters of Gophers Athletics and supporters of business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years. Uh, you know, you're running a business, especially during a pandemic, and there's a lot of highs and lows. There's just a lot of people to take care of, and there's a lot of risk as well. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate challenges. Find out more about how Federated and MyShield can help you at federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. All right, boys. Draft day. A 2015 
cinematic classic. Actually, 2014, I believe, 14, yep. when this movie came out. Yeah. Here's the summary. Sonny Weaver Jr., played by Kevin Costner, is the general manager of the Cleveland Browns. One of pro football's most important days, NFL Draft Day, is drawing near. Actually, it's not drawing near. It's, it all takes place on draft day. Yeah, so. in the morning of. But Sonny has much more on his mind than just which players to recruit. His lover, who's also the cap expert inside the <laughs> Browns front office, played by Jennifer Garner, is pregnant. The team's owner wants to fire him. And after Sonny accepts a deal with Seattle that nets him the team's uh, number one overall pick, some, whoever wrote this summary has never watched the, dra- the draft in their life, he immediately wonders if he has made the right choice for himself and the Browns. 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. The Rotten Tomatoes critics consensus says, quote, it's perfectly pleasant for sports buffs and Costner fans, but overall, Draft Day lives down to its title Whoa. by relying too heavily on the sort of by-the-numbers storytelling that only a statistician could love. $25 million budget turned into just $29 million at the box <laughs> office. This was a bust. Yeah. Kevin Costner, Jennifer Garner, Dennis Leary, mm-hmm. Sam Elliott, Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P., uh, Terry Crews, office linebacker guy. Yep. Yep. P. Diddy was in this movie as yep. an agent. And this movie was directed by the legendary Ivan Reitman, who directed and created Ghostbusters back in the who 80s. Who must not have shown up. And also kin- Kindergarten Cop. Right. Well. Reitman must not have, have shown for work during the course of this film. Well, maybe he's not a sports fan. <laughs> that would be an understatement. <laughs> what, what do you mean? All right, well, let's start with Judd. Judd, your main takeaway from drafting. Oh, my God. I've got so much on this movie. Um, if ever, so I've come up with a term for this film, and, and it, it probably holds true for a bunch of films, but this was the ultimate microwave movie. They put more crap in the microwave and heated it up in, in a short time span instead of allowing it to breathe and extending it. And I'm not saying that the film should have been longer. Oh, God, no. What I'm saying is my overall takeaway was whoever said this has to be, we're just going to have this be draft day in one day was absolutely on crack because would you, would you rather this have been like a five part miniseries on Hulu or something? Well, first of all, that would be that would absolutely be fine. But what I would have preferred was that they had brought me the script and asked me because I would have said it's not draft day. What are you people doing? It's not draft day. This is a process. I mean, some of the ideas were fine. Some of them were absolutely awful. But this film took like months. What what is actually months of work? And decided we're going to make it all fit, fit into. And this is the thing that kept ringing in my head throughout this. We're going to make this all fit into draft day. You mean, when the, you mean when the general manager and the owner are having their first discussion ever uh, on, about who on, they might draft? On? From a water park, by the way. Yes. On draft day. On draft day. <laughs> Do you think Rick Spielman and Ziggy had to Valley Fair on the morning of the draft and, like, walk around and, like, hey, there's the corkscrew. Who are you going to draft, Rick? Who what are you, you thinking? Who are you going to draft? <laughs> so I've got a ton of thoughts on favorite and least favorite, but my takeaway was um, the the ability of the writers to decide that this was all going to take place on draft day was hilariously funny. All right, Declan, what was your main takeaway? Well, a few things uh, come to mind. Yeah, I've never seen this before. 
Um, but my main takeaway was, number one, the NFL is ruthless and executives are ruthless because they use the death of a father to basically finagle and manipulate a Browns GM into getting the number one overall pick. They use the death of his dad very obviously. That, like, come on, your dad would want to do this. Like, they're using his father's recent death, who died a week before the he draft, fired, apparently. He fired him. Yeah. And they're using fired that as leverage against him, which I just think is, wow, that's... I guess that probably does happen on draft day. Um, but my my <laughs> football first, family second yeah. in the NFL. It all match. happens on draft. Yeah. My second main takeaway. Football, football, yeah, yeah football. And uh, as it actually morphed into two different things. So as I'm watching this, Brian Drew. I want to start with Brian Drew here in my main takeaway. So all we know about Brian Drew is is his coach loves him. They get off to a nice start last season. He's got a bum knee. But the players rally around him. He's been working hard. The coach is a big fan. The GM's a fan. I'm thinking, wow, this kind of reminds me of Teddy Bridgewater. At first. Oh, at first. Of course, Declan can tie first, anything to Teddy Bridgewater. Hold on, though. Hold on, though. This is where it flips. And as, as the movie progresses, Brian Drew then freaks out, you know, flips everything out in his office, freaks out at him. And then I realize that this is totally Baker Mayfield. This is actually Baker Mayfield because this is something Baker, I think, would do. And if the Browns were in this position where like, you know, even after his sophomore season where Baker battled some injuries and they weren't they didn't live up to expectations. And they let's just say they had six overall and they traded up to one. I can see the Browns doing something like this. So it was very much poetic to me of the Cleveland Browns. Of well, what they the might Browns. Have done. The Browns did do all of this basically in yeah. the 2014 draft. I mean, they With they Manziel. they swung a big trade in the top ten, and then later on they traded back up higher in the first round to get Johnny Manziel at 22nd <laughs> or whatever. I mean, it was they basically, and I think at one point Chris Berman, there's a write up in Wikipedia. Chris Berman on the actual live, like the real life draft coverage, said, "You know, this is they this is better than draft day or whatever. Like they're making more moves than they did on draft day." <laughs> <laughs> um, my, so I have a million thoughts and we'll get to all of them here, but like my main takeaway from this movie is Kevin Costner can make any sports movie work, <laughs> whether it's an amazing script like Bull Durham or whether it's a questionable script like, okay, so you're going to be a broken down old starting pitcher that throws a perfect game and tells himself to clear the mechanism every time he runs into trouble uh, like falling behind in the count. Oh, and there's going to be a weird love story, and then uh, it's all going to make sense at the end. Or whether it's like, all right, so you're going to be a GM, and you're going to be hooking up with your capologist. She's going to be pregnant, and you're going to trade up to the first overall pick, and then you're going to trade again, and then you're going to make three trades, basically, in the first ten picks. Like, it makes no sense, but he can make it work because he's charismatic. He's just like every time he's on camera uh, – He's a great actor, and he's great in sports movies. He's, he's ne- the best sports movie actor of my generation. He's never asked, though, to play a different role. It's always the same <laughs> role. Like, they just write it for, okay, let's write a golf film for Costner. Okay, just Tim Co- Kevin Costner. Yeah. Uh, let's write a baseball film. Now, Bull Durham, I think, was great, but he was still the same guy, down in his luck, the veteran guy. Now he's a down-on-his-luck executive, and the next time when when they do a basketball film, he'll be a down-on-his-luck executive or former coach there. Down-on-his-luck down farmer in uh, yes, Field of it's Yes, right? yeah. it's always the same, which is, I'm, I'm sort of a handsome guy, but my luck's the worst. <laughs> 
My, I got bad. bad for me. Ladies. I got, I got bad. Like, and he's got that little accent. He's got that little twinge, which works for him. I mean, it, but it's hilarious because it's, it's like they take the script and just change the sport. Okay. Now, now you're a, uh, equipment guy. Now you're a manager. Now you're <laughs> so an executive. Is, now you're a former quarterback. I mean, he could be anything. Be the equipment guy. Uh, hey. What's his, what, yeah, what's his next sports movie going to be? He's got to have one more in him, right? I don't know, man. He's getting a little bit old now, right? He's got to be a uh, 60-something at this point, if I'm not He's mistaken. He's got there for him somewhere. But he probably made so much from each one that, that it bankrolls films that he truly likes doing. He probably yeah, gets no to, like, they're like, hey, we'll, pay a mil- we'll pay you a million bucks to pitch for the Tigers and be in Yankee <laughs> Stadium and be down on your luck. Okay, a that million. sounds good. Yeah, a or, million. or five made or whatever. More than a million. Whatever he made from that. All right, what was, Judd, your favorite part of draft day? Oh, absolutely. Just how how unbelievable this entire film was <laughs> as far as cramming everything in. I mean, nothing is nothing about how they, they do draft day to me. There are elements here and there that might take place, um, but nothing about this film, like it all happens in this period of time. They just cram it all in. It's like they they shove it in a box and close it. Uh, Dennis Leary, who I actually, as an actor, I really like, like plays the most over-the-top, stereotypical football coach with, you know, I don't know if he's supposed to have a drinking problem or what, but like how he's threatening, you know, he's threatening the GM. And I think he's supposed to be, here's my guess. I think the character's written off of what Barry Switzer did in, in Dallas because they, they talk about how, how he won a Super Bowl in Dallas, but it was, you know, pre-made, right? So that's Switzer taking over for Jimmy Johnson in Dallas. And I also sent some Sean Payton there as well because Payton had – so Payton had, at least back in the day, a house back in Dallas that he at one point was threatening to go to the Cowboys or something like that. So I sensed that. But my favorite part was just the implausibility of the entire draft experience and everything that takes place, like all the outside stuff. I mean, his Rob Brzezinski is pregnant. All of that, all of that stuff is just hilarious. I'm, envi- I'm envisioning Rick and Rob getting into a broom closet. To, yeah, like to three times. Life and draft. Like and three times. In on them. But, but at some point in time, it so jumped the shark to me that I just went with it. All right, so Judd's favorite part was just everything about the movie. Declan, what was your favorite part about Draft Day? Uh, my favorite part is easily the cast, man. The cast is great. You have Kevin Costner, Jennifer Gardner, who who is on Declan's Mount Rushmore, by the way. Like she, she I love me some Jennifer Gardner. She's she's she is on my Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. I love her. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, R.I.P. And yeah, one of my all time favorites, Terry Chews. Dennis Leary, dude. Dennis Leary plays the perfect football coach. That surly football coach. He is <laughs> phenomenal at it. Uh, P. Diddy, Sam Elliott with the cameo as the UW, as the Wisconsin Badgers head coach. Are you kidding me? Arian Foster's in this movie. He plays the Cleveland running back. Um, I love the cast in this film. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. They're telling me we have not yet decided. I mean, we're not seriously considering anybody else, right? What are you doing, Sonny? Just made a trade with the Seahawks. For? The number one pick. Are you here? Yes. 
Just going to screw us up with a salary cap. Moving from seven to one. It's about another million and a half we weren't anticipating for this year. Maybe an extra five and a half million in signing bonus. We have that? We can make it work. Oh, man. Music to my head. He doesn't know. That's something else I love. He just made a huge trade. Didn't tell anybody. And he doesn't know if it works with the cap and then consults his cap. Okay, can we? So, so my favorite part about this movie is what you just basically said is how terribly run of a franchise this is. Like, let's let's go through the list here. Okay, I was just I was just making a list as I was watching this again last night. So let's start with the fact that they just made a knee jerk, impulsive trade to get the number one overall pick with no plan of what they're actually going to do. Like. So he makes the trade. He basically gets like goaded into making the trade by his overzealous owner. It, it was very Jets like, right? Where we're, hmm. we care more about making a splash than we care about actually winning football games. And so he makes this big trade, and then he reveals in the draft war room that they've done no homework on Bo Callahan because they didn't really think it was a possibility. So he's like, all right, the draft starts in three hours. We need to know everything possible about Bo Callahan. Go, right? So you've got you've got really no they've done no thorough research on the top prospects in the draft. Uh did not plan at all for him to potentially fall beyond the first pick. The owner is meddling and telling him I care more about a splash, especially offense than I care about like building a sound structured football team. You got the GM hooking up with the cap gal. You Love got it. the head coach disrespecting the general manager in front of all the other scouts and front office members. And then you've got the backup, well, the starting quarterback who thought he was going to be the backup in Brian Drew trashing Sonny's office on draft day as well. Yes. So like Which no one most... cleans up. Which by the way just gets <laughs> just, left trashed for the rest of the film. And then his family shows up with the ashes of Died. his dead legendary football coach father and says, like, I know that this is draft day and you guys are probably pretty busy, but this is the day we're gonna spread his ashes oh, all on, on the practice draft field. Draft day. <laughs> God, dude. It all so happens. Like, and just like impulsive, just a horribly, horribly run franchise. And then I'll, not to spoil because we'll get into like the value of the trades too, but they made all these moves in 2014 NFL. For a linebacker, yeah, and a running back, yeah. For a linebacker mm. and a running back, oh. they traded at first. They traded three first round picks yeah. for a linebacker hold, that was expected to fall into the teens. Hold this <laughs> like, for the least, so the plausibility of yeah. this film. Let, let's okay. get into yeah. that because there, there's a lot to digest here about why, why good old Sonny Weber Jr. would have been fired after this draft. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go to least favorite thing. Your least favorite thing about draft day, Judd? Well, the actual so my f- favorite part was embracing the nonsense. <laughs> but I guess I ha- I guess I got a question about this entire film. If you were, you know, so they're they're clearly trying to serve two uh, um, two groups of people here, audiences. They're trying to serve the football fan, like because it's you know it's glitzy and they got the football stuff. But they're also trying to draw in the non-football fan who wants some type of love story, and it's damn near impossible to do both. Yeah. But That's like pretty much every Kevin Costner but like, sports yes, movie. Yes, but to like at the start, sort of, I love yeah. the explanation of Cleveland sports, like because there's people who don't know about Cleveland sports. So, so you know, we're going to explain Cleveland sports in a nutshell. But did they really need like the Jennifer Garner thing? Mm. And and like I liked her as. I liked her character. Like, it was sort of cool. 
But did she really need to be carrying around his child and yes. to just have found out she's pregnant, like right there? Did the mother, did the mother really need to show up with it? Like his old man was dead and had just died, which is not a bad storyline. I totally get that one, right? But did she really need to show up with his ex-wife and Arquette sister? I forget which one. Did she really need to show up with her on that day to scatter the ashes? Like, why couldn't he just have been dead, which was fine? Like, what- Also, to, to, to add to your Jennifer Garner point, like, it can't, it's it's so formulaic and sexist, too. It can't just yes. be that there's a woman executive yeah, in the NFL. Yeah, and she's good at what she it's, does, It's got to right? be like, there's a woman executive, and clearly the GM like, is why, hooking up with right. her. Like- but, like, why couldn't you have picked, why couldn't you have picked a path here and been like, okay, this is going to be, um... A film for football fans. And you know what? If pe- people dip in, that's fine. But we're not going to have the capologist get pregnant, too. I mean, it would have been bad enough if she hadn't been the capologist and they were trying. And they're going in the broom closets to talk, and it's draft day, and he's just disappearing. And then he comes back. and they, Like, it. why don't you just pick a path for this film? Because they're spending so much money on Kevin Costner. They need a wider mainstream audience to make it pay off. And it still didn't. It still didn't. I know, but I think they... They submarined it by trying to do way too much here. And I don't know. I feel like every sports fan that would have watched the movie watched the movie, and they just failed to get the wide I didn't. audience. I would never have watched this film. Did you watch it, it because Jennifer Garner was the captain? If it hadn't, no, no, not no, I didn't watch it. I, I've seen the end of it on TV. But like, I was. But what, what was your decision to not watch it five years ago? When it, it sounded came stupid. My decision was it sounded stupid, and plus I've seen every Costner film. Like they're they don't change. His sports films don't change. I can tell you what's going to happen. Woman well, who's either can, pregnant can, or a girl or a girlfriend. They're on the rocks. Career in turmoil. Um, I like the the Costner blueprint's very easy. Yeah, but like the Costner blueprint is great. Like that's what draws me. Like Costner makes very bad movies sometimes that are great because he's Kevin Costner. So like you look at a Kevin Costner movie and think, oh, I already know what's going to happen. And I look at it and say, I know what's going to happen, and I'm here for it. Take my twelve dollars movie theater, please. They continually may to, I have another. They continually to me just get worse. Because Bull Durham, I absolutely oh, adore. I loved that film. I thought that was a great film. How dare you say that about For Love of the Game? Oh, For Love of the Game is awful. And it's the yeah. same film. It's and it the, will 100% Preston, be reviewed. Right? It will be reviewed on this show. It's yeah, rest uh, in peace, Kelly Preston. Awful. Uh, Dex, what was your least favorite yeah, part about The least it? favorite part is the pregnancy storyline. It's completely unnecessary. <laughs> and this is also like the third movie in a row we've had a weird taboo with pregnancy. We had it in Sweet Home Alabama. Um, I forget the other rom com we yeah. did too, where like th- there's been these weird taboos about the pregnancy. If if it if it was even at the end of the film, because you can clearly tell they're a couple, like they start within the same home. If at the end of the movie she's like, and by the way, yeah, we've had this great draft day, and I'm pregnant. I think I would have been like, oh okay, the movie ends. You know, like what, was that scene necessary? Maybe not, but like it's okay because it's not gonna be dragged out through the entire film. She, Gardner is already like this badass capologist. Okay, she's confident. She knows Super Bowl history. She knows the Browns. She knows what she's doing. Why do we have to add in this fact of like, hey, I'm pregnant and also like you're not supporting me, but also like, hey, let's talk about the draft. Let's talk about the cap. Let's talk about super like it, it, it. It's not necessary. She's already a badass. Why do we have to add this weird taboo pregnancy story? I literally could not stand it. And also a small other least favorite part, the incompetent Jaguars general manager. The, he was <laughs> more incompetent. Super than, nervous. He was more incompetent than the Browns and the Seahawks. He, the, yeah. he, he was in. He traded his seventh overall pick for three seconds. Yeah. 
You didn't even give a first round pick now? He traded wait, he so he traded up one, right? He oh, traded did, did he trade up one? He traded Yes, he, but which makes it worse. Right. Am I wrong on this? No, no I'm sorry. You're no. right. You're right. You're right. Seattle you're right. got Seattle yes, got that right. pick. No, he yes. no. Dex is yes. right. Three yeah. seconds for the for his first. Yeah. So, yes. That, that's also so they trade. So they part. traded out of the first round altogether for for basically because, two, two future seconds because they, they didn't want to have to decide on Bo Callahan on draft day. So even though we have a top ten pick, let's just eject from the first round yes. altogether for a couple future Cos- second round. Because Costner yeah. told me to. Yeah, <laughs> crash told me to eject. The panicked Jaguars GM. That was All right, yours. my le- my least favorite part of this movie was actually summed up brilliantly in the Wikipedia notes at the bottom of the page. <laughs> Jack Hamilton of Slate was harshly critical of this movie. Quote, the filmmaking here consists of making sure the camera is pointed at people who are explaining the film's plot to one another. If you go back and watch this movie in your mind, right, you're just thinking about this movie. Mm-hmm. It's almost two hours long, and almost every single line in this movie is them explaining what the draft is all about to the audience, right? Like the dialogue between the Seahawks GM and Sonny, the second time around especially, where, listen, your franchise is this. You know that you know that this you know this is the quarterback that you want and this is the deal that you have to make. Like it's 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 not them talking to each other, it's them talking to an audience that doesn't know anything about football. Yeah. Which which of course like not that many people that don't know anything about football probably watch this movie. So I just the plot altogether was so hokey or the the, the dialogue I should say and the plot, but like the dialogue was so hokey <laughs> and they had to over explain everything at every single turn and it was like, all right, just Give us a little credit for having watched the NFL draft before. Massive flaw, too. The coach, the character of the coach was written to be very upset and to be trying to protect the future draft picks and not the present. Right. When's the last time you you saw a coach who's like, you know what, I'm really worried about 2022 yeah, or 2023. <laughs> like he keeps saying, you trade away all our future draft picks, you trade away the future. The coach would be incredibly excited to have the short-term picks. Like, it made no sense. Like, somebody, it, it, it was almost like they oversimplified the football end because they truly didn't get it themselves. I'll give you another least favorite part here. Uh, one, one B here for you. So, the Browns make this trade. They trade three future first-round picks for the number one overall pick. And their phone is ringing off the hook with teams trying to now get the number one pick from them. Wouldn't, wouldn't, like, once that trade goes down on draft day, so you're like five hours away from the start of the draft, right. and you have just traded your entire future for the, for the number one overall pick. Why now are the Bills calling you thinking, oh, now we can get the number one pick? Like, how about how they would swoop in and show this, the, the stadium? Like the Bills, it would be like Buffalo, New York, and then they would have a camera shot or like a helicopter shot of the stadium. And Arrowhead Stadium. And they'd be Here's like, an empty Hello, Buffalo there. Bills, how can I help you? <laughs> we want your pick. Oh, no, we can't do that. Not today. It's draft day. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, least believable thing. Oh, God. God. Can, we all, can we all just participate here? Like, yeah. I feel like this is a group thing. Yes. Um, so can we, can we, yeah. can we just, let's, let's, go through the, let's go through the trades real quick here. All right, let's just, okay. to, just to lay this out, okay? Yes. So this, this is the Browns draft day. Just summed up, and and I'll I'll start with sort of laying out twelve hours before draft yeah. 
the first overall uh, pick is on the clock. And before right? you start, too, in another example of the people that wrote this film having no idea, the number one pick, like the number one quarterback in this draft, Bo Callahan. All right. So, but I, but I mean, but we're talking about a pure, supposedly at the start of the film, can't miss, likely in real life, an SEC QB. Okay. No, is dude, from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Now, I know Russell Wilson is, and somebody clearly saw that and got excited, okay? But, like, we're talking, and he, he's been on our show, and he's a great guy, but we're talking about the home of Brooks Bollinger. We're yes. talking about a place where Daryl Bell... Exactly. Like, Jim Sorge. Like, who didn't fall on that sword and say, oh, no, no, Clemson, you know, Alabama, take your yeah. pick. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, Ohio like State, Texas, Ohio just, State, yeah, Ohio State would have been. Yeah, but that Wisconsin, these guys hand off. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so I digress. So 12, 12 hours before the draft begins, the Browns are picking seventh, and they already have an Alex Smith-like quarterback, a, like a a good, but but maybe hasn't reached his upside. Did we ever find out where Brian Drew was originally drafted? Was he a first-round pick? I they didn't really say, but they, they did, but they did say he was in year. I think when he's going on his tandem year, like year six, like, year, like he's he's been in the yes, league for going like five into his or seventh six years. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah I think yep. he was just a solid QB who got hurt. Yep, and, and was he, coming and back he, off it. And he's in the, the the low key underrated character in this movie is the strength and conditioning guy who's just slapping everyone on the ass. <laughs> yes. and guess what he been twenty five times. Big Dan Campbell uh, vibes. Football. Big Dan. Oh, Campbell he's vibes. very Dan Campbell vibes. We fed him full of steroids today, Sonny <laughs> Weaver Jr. Steroids are bad for you, but they help improve your performance. Dan Campbell doesn't just like football. Dan Campbell loves football. We're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off, all right? And we're going to stand up. And then it's going to take two more shots to knock us down, all right? And on the way up, we're going to take your other kneecap. And we're going to get up, and then it's going to take three shots to get us down. And when we do, we're going to take another hunk out of you. Before, before long, we're going to be the last one standing. All right, that's going to be the mentality. Football! Football! Yeah! Football! The direct quote from Brian Drew when he's when he's in the locker room with him is, "I've been in the league for eight seasons. I've been to the playoffs. I know the system. I can make it work. And I've busted my ass this offseason. So yeah, he's a veteran. He's he's, he's out. So Smith. he's like thirty he's years Smith. old. Yeah. yeah. Dan Campbell." Saw draft day at least five times in the same day. I, same I bet day. he still watches it. Yeah, I bet yeah. you. I bet you that he's got a VHS tape in his house with draft so day. On it. Seahawks with the number one pick, looking to trade back. Bo Callahan. Why, by, by the way, if the Seahawks are that, if the Seahawks were that interested in later in the movie trading all of because you know it's a sunk cost. Like they've got all these picks from the Browns, and they're that interested in moving up one pick. To get Bo Callahan, then why would like why would they have been looking to trade the number one overall pick? They wouldn't have. Him? Doesn't make any sense. And and Bo Callahan, so Bo Callahan was passed over as the first pick, and from then on, everybody freaked out and decided this potentially generationally great QB was too big of risk to take, and so he gets to Seattle, and now they're going to be the the ones when they traded out to say, hold on a second, we have to take him now. 
And like, think everyone's looking at the Cleveland Browns as like the guiding compass yes. for great draft you decisions. Say, well, wait, if the if the Browns think that he's going to be a bust, then well, what, 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 you know, what are we missing? Ha- look what's happening. He's falling. The second team picking w- would say, thank you, Cleveland. You, you stink. Idiots. You're idiots. <laughs> We're taking Bo Callahan. And instead they're all like, oh, we can't take Bo Callahan. Yeah, we can't do that. Yep. So uh, the owner wants GM Sonny Weaver to, quote, make a splash to sell tickets, which is, to me, a telltale sign of a terrible owner. And uh, it seems like they're all having these discussions about who they're going to draft for the first time. So that's kind of the setup. Here's the, here's the summary of what they did in trades. They traded three first-round picks, including a, a, a first-round pick swap in this year's draft, to move up from 7-1. to one. Mm-hmm. And they draft a linebacker. And Vontae Mack, whose agent told him brace for falling into the teens or later in this draft, it could be a long night. So yes. a guy that yes. was widely expected to maybe fall into the teens, you <laughs> traded three first round picks to move from seven to one and to draft him. And you made that pick. You turned in the card from your office without telling anybody. Yes. And then you trade on top of that, you trade three second round picks for the Jaguars sixth. So now you've traded all of your future first and seconds for the next three years to move up to uh, from seven to one and from the second round to six. And then they trade the sixth to Seattle to move back to the seventh again <laughs> to get the first round picks back and to get punt returner David Putney. Uh, and with the seventh pick, they draft a running back, Ray Jennings. Um, so the summary is they basically, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they basically traded three second-round picks to move up from the second round to the top ten, basically to the number one, and they wind up with a linebacker, a running back, and a punt returner. Yes. Right? And and the best part, in my opinion, the return of the punt returner was key. As yes, if dude. As if that would put you over the top. Yes. You got a great punt returner. Whoever, whoever, like laid out this. I mean, it's not. I don't know how how involved uh, Reitman, the director, was in writing this movie, but his heyday was the '80s, yeah. and so he may have been thinking, like, all right, back in my day, watching football, <laughs> we had punt returners, we had running backs, big neck rolls, and yeah. we had linebackers with those boards, support boards, going up over their helmets. Damn it! Uh, what else was not believable oh, to you guys the, in this movie? The entire thing with Bo Callahan. So, so Sonny makes this huge trade, and he, so he's got the top pick. And by, by the way, again, he has not told anybody. The owner basically said, get that pick. He does not tell anybody, his coach, uh, his executive staff. And so he makes the trade, which is sort of okay. And then hmm. on draft day, draft day, he starts to do research on Bo Callahan. So nobody has vetted this guy. Like, this is what I'm saying is teams do this for my teams vet through players they know they can't get. Like they also they, can't they can't they can't find the film on him too. Yes. Like that guy goes up and berates the intern and the, four hours before the draft well, and they can't find both Callahan. And, that, and that guy was another stereotypical football guy. Get me that. And the intern, where, where the hell did he? So he's just starting, but he's like incredibly important. Dude, and he's, that'd be like his, me being hired by the Vikings on draft day. <laughs> Your first and day is draft defending day. You get away from him. Yeah. Your first day is draft day, and you play a key role. <laughs> like, wait, what? And what was the intern's computer do- doing in Sonny's 
office because I think the computer that he threw when he got mad at his mom was in his office, not outside it. So, like, did he just come in and leave his computer there in the GM's office on his first day of work, which is Dex so eloquently pointed out happens to be draft day. And he, but the other thing that would have got Sonny fired that made no sense and they didn't address it is at the end, the guy who owns the Browns flies back and he's all pissed off and I completely get that. And so then Sonny makes all, all these trades, right? But in the end, he does not get the guy that the owner told him to get. He gets a linebacker and running back and the owner's like all happy. Like the whole film was based yeah. on, I want you to get Bo Callahan to sell tickets, and he's like, and he didn't get him, and without an explanation or anything, the guy who owns the team's like, heck of a job, great job, and Sonny. He flew from <laughs> look. The draft takes forever. Like we've all experienced and watched, sure. it, it, it'll take three and a half hours. Like that, that's not that that that's not a surprise. He flew from New York to Cleveland between picks two and six. There is zero. Ch- he would have to like leave the top of the roof. Of the of Radio City Music Hall to get back to Cleveland, back into the war room to then berate the coach and GM for making that trade within four picks. There's no chance so, he could have made that happen. If you guys were the oh, if you God. guys were Sonny Weaver in that spot, okay, and you're trying to find you need to find everybody has a thing, and we need to find out if that thing matters or not, right? Joe Montana was undersized; it didn't matter. Uh, Russell Wilson was too short. I, I, I think that's just me making that one up, but it didn't no, matter, true. right? No, you're right. So if you found out in the hours leading up to the draft that this guy mm-hmm. who is Bo Callahan is supposed to be the next Andrew Luck, right? He's the most surefire prospect since Andrew Luck is what they said at the beginning of the movie. And you find out two things, that his teammates didn't show up to his birthday party, and you find out that he lied about the $100 bill in the back of the playbook. Would that be enough for you guys after you've already traded Multiple first round picks to move up to number one. Yeah. Would that be enough for you guys to say no on Bo Callen? Well, first would you have the would you have the balls? First first of all, I would have known that weeks beforehand. Second of all, um, if this guy's a generationally great QB, no, I'd still take him. Mm-hmm. I'd so, so people don't like him. Okay, that's bad, but that's not the but the whole thing of of the guy researching him the day of on draft day, he's like going to start to research him was just to me was hilarious. But let, no, I mean, if you make that trade, you're all in. You're taking Bo Cal in. Yeah. You're not trading the pick back to Seattle and Seattle doesn't want the pick back at that point. Like, wouldn't it make more sense if you if you were this is this is why they're such an incompetent organization that if you uh-huh. if if you had not done your research on Bo Callahan. Mm hmm. And you and you already felt like you had a quarterback in Brian Drew. Wouldn't you just trade up for the number two pick and pay less, right? Like what? Okay, we're not. Yes. We don't need Bo Callahan. So who's who's picking number two? Yes, let's move up to number two and, and not have to give up that third first round pick. And Sonny, as, as they try and set the premise about what's wrong with the Browns, Sonny in the morning driving around Cleveland on draft day, listening to sports talk radio. <laughs> That's the best part, too. Sonny Weaver Jr.'s guy, he should be fired if he doesn't make the right pick tonight in the National Football League draft, which the Cleveland Browns will be involved in. With the first, I mean, Come on! <laughs> While they're over-explaining the plot to you? Like, yes. All right. Uh, would you guys rather have, for, for 2021, would you guys rather oh. have Kirk Cousins or Brian Drew as your starting quarterback? <laughs> Brian Drew, because he would make... I mean, yeah, he's Alex Smith, dude. Like, he's he's Alex Smith eight years into his career, not Alex Smith current day. Yeah, uh, he's not on a rookie contract so, anymore. He probably makes some probably money. Make, but he's probably making mid-tier money. He's probably not making break, break the bank money. 
Um, yeah, I'd rather have Brian Drew, 100%. So he trashes the GM's office, goes absolutely apoplectic, right? And the next time we see him, he's at home with his beautiful wife and cute daughter sitting on the couch hoping against hope that they don't take Bo Callahan. Yeah. Do you think that's how it works? It's amazing. Uh, honey, sorry, I just got done uh, committing career suicide. I <laughs> right. destroyed my boss's office, and now we're hugging because they drafted a linebacker number one overall. Um, another note from the production notes on Wikipedia. So former Green Bay Packers vice president Andrew Brandt criticized draft day as, quote, lacking any true depiction of how an NFL team operates leading up to yes. and during the draft yes. and less realistic about the business of sports than Jerry Maguire and Moneyball. Also, the Buffalo Bills were initially supposed to be the subject of this movie, but it was cheaper to apparently do the production in Cleveland. So mm. they did it in Cleveland instead. Um, before we get to some of our uh, final categories here, like the believability rankings, et cetera, <laughs> any other final thoughts before we get to these last couple rankings? I agree with Andrew Brandt. We just exhausted quite a bit. <laughs> I agree with Brandt. I think he, he basically is correct about all the things he said yeah, about this film. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's probably going to happen. If there was a sequel to Draft Day, I can assure you that trading all of that capital to get a linebacker and to get a running back probably results in you getting fired about a year later and having a lot of time to golf. Yeah. And so if I'm Sonny <laughs> Weaver in that spot, I'm going to PXG Minneapolis and I'm checking out the new Gen Four golf clubs, which have arrived: drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons. These are PXG's flagship clubs and the best performing clubs PXG has ever made. They also have. The zero two eleven golf clubs, full line of high performance clubs packed with PXG technology, priced a little bit more within reach. PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center. If you lose your job as a football coach and you have some time to golf, PXG Minneapolis and PXG.com slash Minneapolis. All right, boys, we have two rankings here to get to. Number one is the believability of sports action. And in this case, there wasn't like actual football right. being played really. Uh, so we're going to go believability of the draft lead-up action on a 1 through 10 scale. So far, Little Big League at 7.3 out good. of 10. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mighty Ducks with a 7 out of 10. Fairly believable. Yep. Fairly believable. Yep. Judd? Uh, one. <laughs> There's a one. There might be a modicum of, if given enough time, a modicum. But when you're telling me that you're going to make a franchise-changing trade for a generationally great QB and then start to find out the flaws, you get a one from me. Declan? Uh, three. Because I, I do think ridiculous trade talks like this are happening behind the scenes. I, I 100% ridiculous, absurd trade talks are happening behind the scenes. There might be a lot of clicking up and hanging up the phone immediately when some of these are offered, and there might be idiots like the Jaguars who take a three-second-round picks for the sixth overall pick uh, but I do think those talks happen. But in general, this is you, you literally traded three first round picks, got them back and you want to sweeten her with a kick returner, dude. Like, come on, that, that zero chance that happens. It's a UDFA. You find a kick returner. However, the hell you can do that. It's a three, three out of ten. Throw them in. It's a four. You guys are you guys are both selling this too short because ultimately the most believable part of this movie is the fact that the Cleveland Browns absolutely botched it beyond all recognition. And the oh, Cleveland well. Browns, we got an inside glimpse as to how dysfunctional, up until our guy Kevin Stefanski took over and said, guys, I'm fixing this. Right. 20 years, this was probably not that far off from how unprepared and dysfunctional the actual Cleveland Browns front office was. So I'm giving it a four because of that, which makes it a 2.7 out of 10, tying it (laughs) 
I'm sorry. You know what? The, uh, mm. On the believability of sports action, I was wrong. Little Big League was an 8.7. Mm. Mighty Ducks was a 2.7. And Draft Day is a 2.7 uh, out of 10 for us. So, all right. Enter- pure entertainment value. Little Big League was a 7.3. Mighty Ducks was a 7. 1 through 10, pure entertainment value, Judd. I'll give it a 5. I'll, I'll give it a 5. Mindless. Um... Uh, inane, stupid, but you know what? It was actually, it was so bad, it almost embraced being yes. bad, so it gets a five. I just love the, the fact that that this, this um, as Dex said, kick-ass uh, executive who's doing a great job, and she is she knows the, the cap and football upside down, has to spend the entire film going into a broom closet to uh, covertly talk to the GM because she's carrying his child to five. Uh, it's a six for me. I've heard that this movie is one of the worst films of all time. I've heard what? terrible reviews wow. about this movie, and I had pretty negative preconceived uh, notions going into the film. That being said, I was I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it a lot more than than what people say about. I don't think it's as bad as people have made it out to be. That their testimonies to me, at least. <laughs> um, I enjoyed it. I would if it was on TV, I would probably hold on until a commercial break. I wouldn't flip away until the commercial break, but I would probably watch a scene or two. It's a six. Six out of ten. It's and I, Obviously, I enjoy this movie more than you guys. It's a seven for me, and it's a seven because I'll watch Kevin Costner in almost anything. You, you got a man crush is what you got. He's great. Yeah, he's definitely – listen, Kevin Costner, The Rock. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a few guys that might get me to, uh, you know – I feel San Andreas – if you will. I feel San Andreas embraced the – ridiculous a little bit more and i actually enjoyed that more all right so uh with me giving it a seven that's an average score of a six which makes it the least entertaining of the three sports movies we have reviewed uh behind little big league and mighty doc so all right do you guys i i got a list here still of i have an idea for what we should do next week okay i think we should do another sports movie and i think we should just keep going with the headliners i think we should do major league next week sure Hold on, you guys down for that? Judd seems a little tepid there. No, I got to write that down. Major League. No, that's fine with me. <laughs> Desmond, I, have you seen? I've not league? seen it. For oh, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen Major League. I've that's, not seen yeah. it for a long time. I, it's. Yeah, I've, I've seen Major League. Yes, okay, it's baseball season. Mm-hmm. The Twins are off to a slow start. They might need some inspiration. Maybe they can take some inspiration. It's pretty from good. The Cleveland Indians of like 1989. I want to say it's the year. Pretty good. Yeah. So Bob Uecker. Uh Major League will be uh, the movie we do next week, and then we can make a decision. Do we want to? Mix in some action movies and some rom coms again throughout the summer. So, summer blockbusters are coming, boys. That's right. The summer and, blockbusters and are, are right around the corner. And we Get are we are your guide here. That's right. I, I miss going to movies. It's been a long time. I do time too, man. I, do I you love, guys? I love the movies. I, a big icy, a large nine dollar icy to go along with my my mm. my ten dollar ticket, dude. And I'm thinking Twizzlers. I don't, I don't like you know popcorn's optional for me because usually I go. I don't really. I don't really oh, need the popcorn. Love the popcorn. I'll tell you what. The San Anthony Maine. Yes, so we used dude. to live on San Anthony Maine. So the popcorn they have there. I don't know what kind of cocaine butter they put on yep. there. We would sometimes just walk to the movie theater, get the popcorn, and then walk back home and go watch a movie in yep. our living room. Oh, that's a yeah, solid so call. Yeah, oh, pop- yeah. I love popcorn. That's my that's my movie theater, too. It's a, it's a great little spot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't miss All right, movies. boys. All right. Good dissection. Well, Judd just doesn't want to leave his house for anything. He no. That's basically true now. Bunnies, bunnies or this studio? No, or you know, no, no. I've been to Bunnies in more than a year. I am very happy just staying home now. I think that vaccine will kick in pretty soon here. Yeah, man. You should uh, yeah. feel good going back to Bunnies. That's a wrap on Mackie and Judd and Sports Movie Rewind. Thanks for hanging out with us, and uh, be sure to binge uh, Major League at some point between now and next Friday. See you guys.
The commissioner, ready to make history in Cleveland. With the first pick of the 2014 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Vontae Mack, linebacker, Ohio State. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.